I mean, what a grand celebration. What a picture of, again, who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. The Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again and was seen. Christ died for our sins and rose again. That's the heart of the gospel message. And today we've had individuals who have publicly testified and have said we belong to him, who have publicly testified and said we want to follow hard after him all of our days. And we have had the privilege of watching and we can pray for them and help them and encourage them to do so. If you have your Bibles today, I invite you to turn with me just for a few moments to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. I understand you were in the book of Joshua last week. Is that right? Somebody nod. Is that right? That's right. We're going to look at uh, another character from the book of Joshua uh, this morning just for the next few moments. Again, it is an honor and privilege to be back. I always love coming to Bethany. Look forward to being with you at the retreat in September as well. Uh, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing here. And as we uh, are enjoying the first service, services in this expanded room, I have uh, one word ultimately for your consideration that we'll see from the pages of scripture today, I trust. I bring greetings from my wife, Katie, um, and Anna Catherine. Anna Kate turned 17 uh, August 1st. Uh, Jonathan, David, Johnny, uh, 14, and school starts soon. Don't ask me the date, but it's coming up soon. Uh, Johnny will be a freshman. Anna Kate will be a junior. They would have been here, but uh, Anna Kate's involved in the praise team this morning, and uh, so that is just part of our, our reality. Yesterday uh, was a, a day where my family just paused for a moment and, and just thanked the Lord for his sustaining grace and, and his tender mercy. It was uh, two years ago yesterday that I got out of a hospital in Paducah, Kentucky. Uh, I was in the hospital there for about three weeks. Some of you know the story, some of you don't, and the story is not important. I had a little struggle uh, with a virus some of you are familiar with. And uh, um, the struggle was real and uh, it took me down uh, for a season. Uh, two years ago, uh, I was released uh, from the hospital. And one of the lingering realities of that experience for me is that I now have a cardiologist. Anybody else have a cardiologist? Some of uh, you with season in life have one. Uh, some of you in all walks of life have one. Uh, well, I have one as well. And so there's medicine I have to take every day that just uh, helps regulate my heart a little bit because of some uh, uh, lasting damage that was done. And uh, I praise the Lord for my cardiologist and the opportunity to annually at this point go and, and see how my heart is doing physically. Uh, it's important to be able to examine uh, Examine your heart physically to see if it's, uh, if it's healthy if, or, or if there's other things that uh, need to be done in order to address uh, any concern. It's important for us to do that physically. I would submit to you this morning, it's more important for us to do that spiritually. And so on a day where we are celebrating believers' baptism, 
on a day where we're anticipating what our great God is going to do through this expanded facility. It's just a facility to facilitate what he wants to do. I felt it would be an important day for us to do a little heart examination. If you had to pick a word today to describe the condition of your heart spiritually, what would the word be? Some of you remember uh, an instructor at Emmaus Bible College years ago uh, who's been with the Lord now for quite some time, Dr. Dave Reed. Anybody remember Dr. Dave Reed? I had Dr. Dave Reed, Dr. Dave as a teacher. He taught me a variety of courses, one of which was Old Testament survey. And in Old Testament survey, and those of you who know that I do momos, momo nation, if you will, uh, I got that idea from Dr. Dave and a few other people in my world from back in the day. We would do motions. We would go through the whole Old Testament survey. Creation, fall, flood, nation. Some of you know the ministry, walk through the Bible, outstanding ministry. They do the same thing. A survey of the Old Testament and giving people motions to help you remember the survey points or events. And so... Over the years, I started doing that sort of thing uh, as part of my message. Momos that, that help you remember what we're doing. If time permits, I'll have one for you today. Even if time doesn't permit, I'll have one for you today. In the Old Testament walkthrough, we got to a period uh, of time in the history of the children of Israel where the, the three kings, the first three kings of Israel are identified. Each of them had... Uh, uh, the same years of rain, what were the number of years? Thank you for coming again. 40, 40, 40, 120 years. And when we did then learn the Old Testament walkthrough, we learned a phrase or a key word for each of the kings. The first king's name was what? Saul. The first king's name was Saul. And how we remembered Saul and his 40 years of rain was this expression. Hear me. Saul, no heart. Would you say that with me? Saul, no heart. Who followed Saul? David. David was a man after God's own heart, wasn't he? Read in the book of Acts what it says about David. I love that it says uh, around verse 34 that David served the purposes of God in his generation and then he died. What a way to go. Previously in the 20s, around 22 in Acts chapter 13, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect, neither are we, but his heart was one that was devoted to fully, fully following after God. And so for Saul, we had what expression? I forget. Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Who is the next one? Solomon, thank you for coming today. I like your bow tie. Solomon was the next. And for Solomon, we won't go into the details, but for Solomon, we remember this expression, half heart or half hearted. So Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half heart. 40, 40, 40, 120 years. That's how we remember uh, that period of history with God's chosen people, Israel. I ask you today, which of those three descriptions best describes your heart's condition? 
Saul, no heart. Maybe you're like Saul. Maybe you've never trusted in Christ. Maybe you're putting the pieces of salvation together and you're starting to learn and understand that you're a sinner, as we all are. That was a favorite verse shared today. We all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death. What I deserve, what you deserve, what we deserve is death. But Christ died for you. Christ died for us and and we can be saved through faith. And maybe that hasn't happened for you. Maybe that hasn't happened for you. And so you are much like King Saul. King Saul, no heart. Maybe you're like King David. Maybe you're like those who were baptized today. Maybe you're wanting to follow God fully with all of your heart. And if that's the case, today is a day to encourage you to continue, to persevere, to keep on keeping on. But I'd venture to say that many would have to say we're more like Solomon than anyone. Half-hearted. Because the stuff of this world competes for the allegiance we owe only to the giver of all good things. The stuff of this world has kind of numbed us and we're a bit desensitized to the things of God and to following fully after him. And so think about it this morning. Pick one of those descriptions or or pick your own word. But what would most accurately describe the reality of your heart's condition spiritually? And be be reminded of this. In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, the first part of that verse about our great God. It says, he knows, he sees, and he examines our heart's attitude before him. I don't love going to the cardiologist, just to be honest with you, but it's a reality of my life where I have to have my heart physically examined. We, we are supposed to do that more than once a year. The examination of our heart's condition. He knows, he sees, and he examines our heart's attitude before him. And so it's important that we would do the same. Joshua chapter 14 helps us with that. Joshua chapter 14 rightfully has been described as Caleb's chapter. It's a chapter where Caleb speaks up and reminds Joshua and the reader of a promise years ago. How many remember, I should have called the guys and said, hey, let's sing uh, 12 men went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? 10 were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong, right? And some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. But here's the reality. 10 were bad and two were good. And so we're going to be reminded uh, of one of those two characters. Last week, it was Joshua. This week, it is Caleb. It would be great. You want some homework? I know we're not back to school yet, most of you. Go back to Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Maybe do it this afternoon and reread the story of the spies and how they spent 40 days spying out the land, investigating, examining, and they came back with a report. There's going to be reference to that great story in this section. But let's see what it has to say. 
Verse 6 of Joshua chapter 14. Follow with me. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know the, Lord, the word which the Lord spoke to me, excuse me, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Who's speaking here in this particular verse? Verse six, help me. Caleb is speaking, who's he speaking to? Joshua, thanks for following, thanks for coming today. Let's read the next verse. Here Caleb speaks up in this chapter and he says to Joshua, hey, my friend, let's reminisce for a moment, can we? Shall we? You, you remember, you were there. You remember what Moses said to, to you and to me, to us? You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you, Joshua, and me, Caleb, and Kadesh Barnea. Let me remind you of those days, Caleb says. I was 40. Anybody 40? Caleb was 40 when this word was declared. I was 40, 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. There's a verse in, in the book of Numbers that says something about Caleb. Look it up. We won't take the time. But it says he was different. He had a different kind of heart. Sometimes, especially back in the day, names had a significant meaning. Uh, that happened still today. And that was true in the day of Caleb. His name had a significant meaning and it paralleled the reality of his life in ministry. Does anybody know what the, uh, the name Caleb means? Does anybody know a Caleb? Anybody know, know anybody named Caleb? Uh, a, a few of us do. I am one. You are one? Congratulations. You know what your name means? Dog. It does. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the renderings. It's not the only one, and it's not a bad reference to a dog in this particular situation. It's a good one. We have a dog who is really uh, the fifth member of our family. We're one of those families who treats our dog that way. I know some of you are, are not that way, and, and you're going to be okay. We love the reality of dogs and how they are loyal regardless of circumstances. I woke up this morning, I attempted to leave quietly, which is a huge accomplishment for me in the morning. I'm not very quiet. But as I left, our door creaked just a little bit, and Wrigley Lambo was at the feet of my bride, Katie, and he didn't get up. He just lifted up his head slightly just to acknowledge, yes, I know you're going to preach. We're going to sleep a little longer, right? A dog conveys this, this loyalty, and that's, that's one of the renderings of the name Caleb. That's why some of you right away said, dog, Roo! it helps us remember this idea of loyalty. I have a nephew whose name is Caleb, Caleb Jonathan, and some of the other understandings of the name Caleb are these. Listen to these words, all Heart, all heart, whole heart, full heart. 
a loyal heart. And Caleb is reminiscing. And he's saying, let's, let's recall, Joshua. Let's recall how, how it went down. You and I, we went into the land. Ten others were with us. We had a, a task before us to see how the land was and, and what kind of uh, vegetation and provision this land would bring and what are, what are, what's the city like and what are the people like. And so they went in and spied out the land. And it says in the end of verse 7, by Caleb... And I brought word back to him as it was in my what? What does it say? My heart. Nevertheless, Caleb had a different heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. Joshua had the same mindset as Caleb, uh, Caleb speaking up here, but they were, they were in this together. But the 10 others, the majority, if you will, spoke up and said, we cannot, we will not, no way. Have you seen these giants in the land? Are you kidding me? They will destroy us. Sure, there's all kinds of... Uh, uh, benefit and look around at all the, uh, all the things we can eat and the, the beauty of the land, but there's no way. We, don't we cannot do this. We cannot. We cannot make it in a land like this. And so the majority, 10, influenced negatively. Important to think about how we're being influenced today by so many influencers, whether they're real or not. We're influenced and we're influencers. And these 10, because they didn't see and couldn't believe, made the hearts of the people melt with fear. But Caleb says this of himself. You want to know what's true of me, Joshua, in case you forgot? But I followed the Lord my God fully. Some of your translations right now say the word completely. Do any of you have that in your translation? Completely. Some of your Bibles say today wholeheartedly. Does your Bible say that? Fully, wholeheartedly, with all my heart. Caleb says, that's how I followed. And matter of fact, that's how I've been following. All heart is my name. And all hearted is the way in which I follow. Let me ask you this morning, it's still morning. Let me ask you this morning, if you had to pick a word to describe your spiritual heart condition and how you are following after God and his word, what word would you pick? Would it be wholehearted? All hearted? Fully? Completely? The story goes on, verse 9. It says, so Moses swore on that day. Now who's talking? Moses, exactly. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance to you, Caleb. He's speaking to Caleb, right? Surely the land on which your foot has trodden, where you have stepped, shall be an inheritance to you and your children forever, which is a mighty long time, and that's a promise from a covenant-keeping God. Here's why. 
Again, Moses is speaking now in verse 9. This is what Moses said, and he said of Caleb, because you have followed the Lord my God. How? Fully, completely, wholeheartedly, all hearted. If you had to pick a word today to describe the reality of your spiritual heart's condition, what word or words would you pick? Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half heart. Caleb, all heart. What word describes the way in which you are following after God and pursuing his son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Because, Moses says, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. I love verse 10. Watch this. Especially those who have a little season and gray or lack thereof, freshly shaved for me. Look at verse 10. Caleb fills in a, a bit of the pieces of this story for us. And he says, and now behold, and now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. Let's do a little math together. When did he speak up in verse 7? How old was he? 40, right? And now he says, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he said he would. And we could go back. We're not going to take the time, but we could go back and see the connection, the correlation to following wholeheartedly, obediently, and the blessing and extension of life. It's an Old Testament theme and a New Testament theme. Doing life God's way is the best way, so obey. And we've seen that in the life of Caleb. And now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, we were just talking about that, by the way, Caleb. Are you listening? This is my chapter. And now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, in case we struggle with math, he says, and now behold, I'm 85, right? I'm 85 years old today. Happy birthday, Caleb. Verse 10. Can you imagine, folks, the reality of somebody for 45 years following after the Lord his God fully? completely, wholeheartedly. You can't imagine it because you have people in this room who have been doing it. Setting an example, amen. Setting an example, decade after decade after decade of following fully after our God. Wholeheartedly, Without reservation. Caleb speaks up and says, you know what? God's been good. He's been faithful. That's who he is. We can trust him. That's why he had a heart that says, with God, let's go. Let's bring it. We can. And here I am now, 85. And look at what he says in verse 11. Uh, gentlemen and ladies, can, could we say this? He says, I'm still as strong today as I was in the days Moses sent me. Did you hear that? 
45 years later, he makes this statement. Guess what? I've still got game. My son plays all kinds of sports now. And he thinks he can bring it. And he thinks he can take dad. And he isn't listening, so he's right. In some respects. There was a day, right? And those days are in the past. We can't bring it like we used to bring it. Caleb speaks up here and says, you know what? I'm 85 now, but let's go. I'm ready to war. I'm ready to battle. Look at it with me. I'm still, verse 11, as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. For what? For war and for going out and coming in. Now then, verse 12, give me this hill country. I want my land. I want what the Lord my God has promised to me. I've been in it to win it for four and a half decades. And I haven't forgotten. And I know who God is and I know what he's like and I know what he's done for me and I know what he's promised. And so I want what he's promised. Now then give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out as the Lord has spoken. He believed then and he believes now in chapter 14. And so Joshua says, you're right. Here's what God promised and it's yours. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinzanite, until this day. Why is that, by the way? Why is the declaration made that what God promised, he delivers to Caleb? Why? Look at how the verse ends, third time. Because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully, wholly, completely, wholeheartedly, all hearted. What word would be accurate to use for the condition of your spiritual heart today. Are you more like Saul? No heart. And even as a believer, there are periods of time for, uh, unfortunately, carnality. That's why Paul uses the phrase still carnal or yet carnal to believers. There are those who are by description, lukewarm, neither hot, a good temperature, nor cold, a good temperature. And so the reality of no-heartedness is surely the case for an unbeliever, but can be the case from time to time for a season 
of a believer as well. And so is that the description that fits you best today? No, heart it. Or let's jump to the example of Solomon who was half-hearted, affected by the world in which we live in such a capacity that you're unwilling to sing and to say, I surrender all. I appreciated the comments of one of the brothers this morning who is just dumbfounded and taken aback by the self-absorption of our culture today. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And let me just say, uh, I know what time it is and we're all good, but let me just say to you this, moms and dads on this uh, Sunday School for All Ages morning, can I encourage you to pick up the clue phone and investigate carefully each and every aspect of social media that your children might be fully addicted to at this point in time? It's no joke. And so the social media platforms, which are a norm for how many of those who have gathered today, are rooted and grounded in the search for souls to wreck and to destroy. And so moms and dads, be reminded that it's our responsibility to investigate thoroughly and completely because what those sites are accomplishing is half-heartedness at best in the hearts of our children. And it's our responsibility as moms and dads to say, you know what, you're not. Or you know what, here's how we will govern and monitor. Do you ever use that word govern in your household? Here's how we will govern. Here's how we're going to live in our house. You might be thinking I'm old and bald, and the truth is both are accurate. But I want to say to you this. It's destroying today's youth culture. And may I just make one more statement as I chase this rabbit? It's destroying the adult culture today as well. Some of you moms and dads here today have to say, you know what my story is? I'm half-hearted but I'm all hearted in regards to TikTok or Be Real or Snapchat or Facebook. And I'd love for you to tell me how all the things that are presented on those particular social media sites can be seen and participated in by someone who's wholeheartedly following after Christ. I'm not ripping and I'm not casting blame and I'm not judging you. If you decide you can deal, you can deal. But be warned, there's so much in this narcissistic, self-absorbed culture and society that is causing us to be Solomon-like, half-hearted. What's it gonna take for us to be David-like in our heart's condition? What's it gonna take for us to be all-hearted, whole-hearted, completely, fully following after our great God. There are two verses I just want to bring to your attention of what it looks like to be whole-hearted in our following after Christ, in our pursuit of our great God. One is found in, um, give me a moment, 
One is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe, verse 9. And this was uh, recently brought to my attention as a dear friend of mine, a guy I went to college with, sent me a text and said, John, I want you to know my dad just passed away. He was 80. And as you know, my dad has been serving the Lord faithfully for decades. And we'd love it if you could come to his memorial service. And I was in Canada at the time. I was at a conference. I could come. So I tuned in, and as I watched the celebration of life for this, this brother who had served uh, for decade after decade wholeheartedly, it was shared by many that he had a life verse. He had a verse that would be the verse that kind of uh, governs and, and uh, uh, permeates the way he and his wife and family would think and live and serve, and it, it's found in that passage in and 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 5, verse 9. And the verse says this, therefore, therefore also we have as our ambition. Let me ask you, do you have as your ambition what Paul states here? It's the same kind of commitment that Joshua and Caleb had as all hearted people. Therefore, we make it our aim. We make it our ambition. Here's our goal whether at home or absent. And that's a, a figure of speech that says and conveys all the time. Whether I'm living or whether I am dead and all that time in between, whether at home or absent, here's my goal. Here's my ambition. Here's my aim. I want to be pleasing to him. Do you want that? That's a description, that's a cry, that's a declaration and a commitment of a wholehearted person. Peter says it as well in 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, I'd love to go there with you. We can't, but it says, you know what? Just like the Holy One who called us is holy, we should purpose to be holy, listen to this, in all our behavior. All that we see, all that we hear, all that we say, all that we think. In all our behavior, we're supposed to be holy like the Holy One who has called us. We make it our aim, we make it our ambition, we make it our goal to be pleasing to him in everything. There's another verse in this same chapter. Verse 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And this verse describes the reality of a decision a believer makes. What a wonderful picture we had of this in baptism earlier today. And it says this as we close, verse 15. We'll look at 14 as well. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all. Who's that? That's the Lord Jesus. Amen? That one died for all. And what is the result of all those who have believed in him? Therefore, all died. That was pictured for us. And he died, that's the Lord Jesus, for all, that they who live, therefore, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. So we have this new life in Christ. And he died for all, that they who live, verse 15, please look at it, and I promise I'll close in prayer. That they who live should no longer live for themselves. Let me ask you this question. 
Have you made that decision? That you no longer are living for yourselves. As a believer, that was the declaration of those who are being baptized today. We want you to know that we no longer want to live for ourselves. And how's that verse conclude? But rather, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You know what that's an example of? Wholeheartedness. All heart. I said to you, if time permits, I have one motion for you. And time permits. And so here's how we're going to do this. Listen, I'm not going to make anybody do anything. But if you'd like to stand and participate in this memorable motion to put a bow on our message today, please, uh, please stand and join me. Some of the young people, it's Sunday school uh, for all ages today, so not a bad idea for all ages to stand up, but that's all I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. And if you don't want to do this, uh, grace upon grace, you don't have to. Just, just soak it up and enjoy. Or not. Here's what we're going to do. Some of you might have seen uh, this exercise where you try to take a, a writing utensil or device, a pen, a marker, and not look and make a complete circle on a board. Complete. And, and the circle is exactly as it ought to be. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to attempt to do that, to make with our hands a complete circle. And we're just going to say as we do that, whole, that's a W-H-O-L-E, by the way. And so we're going to make a complete circle as perfectly as we can. Some of you are very uncomfortable right now. I get it. We're almost done. We're going to say, whole, and then we're going to bring our hands together like this and imagine you're a mime. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. I don't have time to explain. But imagine you're a mime and in your hands is a heart and it's pumping. It's pumping. And so we're going to say whole and then we're going to say sincerely like this and we'll do this to say sincerely. We're going to say heart it. Heart it. Okay, so what's the first part? I forget. It's whole and this part is hearted. And then I have confirmation from one of the cardiologists I've talked to. Two beats are two sounds per beat. And so we're going to do three and we're going to say, dun dun, dun dun, dun dun. Can you do we're, we're not even done yet. I know this is, this is complicated. Let's do it from the beginning. Some of you I know don't want to. And guess what? You don't have to. But don't judge. Okay, here we go. Whole hearted, dun dun, dun dun, dun dun, and then, this is the last part, and you're going to love it, because it's our declaration today in this expanded facility with those who have publicly testified that they're all in, and this is an expression my son uses and kids his age, so maybe you've heard it. We're going to take our hands like this, and we're going to make a declaration of our wholeheartedness and simply say, let's go! I love that. I love that. Some of you are ready to leave. That's okay. All right, let's do that all together. All right, everybody ready? Here we go. Wholehearted. Dun dun, dun dun, dun dun. Let's go. Stay standing. Stay standing. You don't have to do anything else. Let's just close in prayer, and then two men are going to pray additionally after I do. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this day, a day of celebration as we've gathered together and we started as we should, remembering 
the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and, and what he has done for us. May we never get over the fact that Christ died for our sins and the bread that we, was used as a symbol describes the body given, represents that symbolic, symbolically. We thank you for that. And we took a, a, a little cup of juice or wine and it reminds us of the blood that was shed. We thank you for the good news of the gospel that Christ died for our sins and rose again. And we began celebrating and remembering that today. And we've had the privilege and pleasure of, of listening to and watching two of your children declare that they are yours and they want to obey you wholeheartedly. And we praise you for that. And Father, we ask we ask that all of us in this room might examine our heart's condition before you. Are we no hearted? Are we all hearted? Whole hearted? Are we half hearted? What word or words would we use to describe our spiritual heart's condition as they need to be examined and as you examine them? You know and you see and you examine our heart's attitude before you. Father, as we saw a couple examples of wholeheartedness from the New Testament, may it be that it's our aim, our ambition, and everything to be pleasing to you. If we haven't already, may we make a decision that we no longer want to live for ourselves, even though we're saturated and bombarded with self-focus and absorption, may we realize real living is living like Christ lived where he gave himself. And so, Father, help us to voluntarily, out of gratitude, make a decision and do it over and over again as needed to no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died for us and rose again. Father, we pray, we pray that we would be holy in all our behavior, like the Holy One who called us, and everything we see, hear, see, think, and do may be pleasing to you. Help us, Father, to be all-hearted, wholehearted, fully, completely following after you, knowing and remembering that doing life your way is the best way. So help us to obey. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.